Today I'm excited to start this new series that I've titled The Biblical Case for the Multi-Ethnic Church. I know that's a long title. I tried to condense it down. I just couldn't. This is what this message is going to be about for the next few weeks. Uh, it's a very important message, I believe, and, and a very timely message, and it's something that I've wanted to teach on for months. I mean, I, I really start getting this back in the early spring and um, just didn't really feel a release from the Lord to, to teach on it yet, but uh, now I feel like during this season, as we move into the last part of 2022, is a time where he um, released me to really start to share this message. Um, now, as we go into this message, I just, you know, this isn't an attack on anybody. Amen. There's no need to be uh, offended. Like, in fact, just let your guards down right now. Amen. Amen. And, and I'm going to be more specific. Okay. White people, let your guards down. You're not going to get attacked during this message. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Now, I, I mean, I'm serious. You're not going to get attacked during this message. That's not what this is about. What this is all about is, as you look around our church, and you start to see the multi-ethnic church start to take shape, it's a celebration of what God is doing in this house and what I believe he wants to do in other houses. Amen? And so we're going to lay out we're going to look in the word and see how it's always been God's plan that the church is made up of every ethnicity. You know, this whole term of the white church and the black church and the this church and the that church, you know, it shouldn't be. You know, I can kind of understand it with, with you know, Asian churches or Hispanic churches because of a language barrier. You know, but when I go to Uganda and preach, they, every service is in two languages. There's always a translator. The speaker is either speaking in English and they're translating it into their language or the speaker is speaking in their language and they're translating it into English. And it's like, man, you know, we can find a way. I believe that, that there's enough wisdom and direction from the spirit of the Lord to where even language barriers we can overcome so that the body can be one. Amen. So that's what this message is, is going to be about. Today, I'm really just going to uh, be laying a foundation, so there'll be a lot of like definitions and things like along those lines, but it's important that we start out that way so that we're all on the same page as we start to move forward over the next few months. Amen? Amen. So I want to start out by just kind of telling you a little bit about my story. I, I, was, I graduated from UW Oshkosh in 2000, and long story short, the Lord moved me to Dallas and got me saved. I got saved on a Tuesday night. It was February 20th, 2020, or 2001, at a young adults event. And I just went to that young adults event for, a couple, for, for about a month, and then I decided, I said, you know what? If I'm really going to do this Christian thing, I should probably go to church on Sunday. And this was a big church. It was, you know, maybe eight, ten thousand members. It was, it was huge. And I just remember when I went to church for the first time on Sunday, walking in the sanctuary, and the sanctuary was so massive, it like took my, I, I took a step back. Because I've never been in a church that big. It, it just was, it, it caught me off guard. And then the next thing I noticed is that, okay, the guy on stage is white. The guy preaching is white. I remember asking myself in the moment, can I go to a church with a white pastor? Because the pastor that led me to the Lord in that young adult uh, group 
was black. And then I start to look around the sanctuary and it's like, man, there's, there's not just white people in here. There's Asian, there's Hispanic, there's black, there's, there's everybody. And that was in the days of choirs, right? They had a choir of about 300 people. And that choir, you, you couldn't tell. It wasn't white or black or whatever. I, I later found out there were 25 different nations Amen. represented in that choir. So I'm, I'm, I'm plugged into the church and, and, and I'm starting to grow in the things of the Lord and, and God speaks to me and, and says, hey, I'm sending you back to Appleton to start a church, to start a covenant church because the Fox Valley needs a covenant church. And I'm like, wow, well, um, I don't know how that's going to get done, but I trust you, Lord. And I remember in the months leading up to Stacy and I packing our family up and moving back here, start to feel a, a, not a little insecure, but extremely insecure, saying like, I, I've never even preached a message. Um, I don't know if I can do this, right? I get real irritated with people really quick. You know, I'm not one of those soft-spoken pastors. You know, I'm very direct in my communication. And, and, and the Lord, I, I was at my job kind of thinking about this, and the Lord said, just, just search the churches in that area. And so I start pulling up, you know, churches in Appleton and start pulling, you know, you get the whole list on Google and start pulling up the different churches and the Lord's saying, look at their leadership. And it's like, okay, why am I looking at their leadership? And the Lord says to me, this is why you're needed. Because every leadership team that I pulled up was either a white couple or a black couple. And he said, you and your wife, I'm going to use to start to tear down the stronghold of racism in that community. And so from the very moment that we came back to Appleton, it was like, okay, God said he wants to start a covenant church in this area. So it has to be multi-ethnic. Well, we said multicultural. I'll explain that a little bit later. It has to be multicultural. It has to be spirit-led, right? And, and that's what we've tried to do. Now, fast forward to 2020 and COVID and all the stuff that's going on and then there's racial tension throughout the nation and, and you know, there's protests down here on uh, College Avenue and, and I just felt a burden from the Lord to don't, don't engage in the protest. Like, go to the march and just watch. So I went to the marches and I would, I would just watch. And the Lord said to me, what are you going to do about this? I said, well, I... I don't really feel I'm called to march and protest. You know, I mean, as long as it's peaceful, I don't personally think there's anything wrong with it. It's, it's a right given to people in America, as long as it's peaceful. But I don't feel called to that. I'm a man of God. I feel called to pray. And so he says, start rallying my church to pray. Yeah. And so we started, we had that summer two essential worship gatherings where we gathered 15. The first time, I think we had 16 churches. The second, Pastor Philip came to that one. First time we had 16 churches represented. The second time we had, I think, 14 uh, churches represented. And the whole purpose of that was to pray and to worship because we understand our battles not with flesh and blood. As a, as a black man, my enemy is not the white man. As a white man, your enemy should not be the black man. 
Our enemy is something that cannot be seen, doesn't care what color you are, just wants your life destroyed. And so we start to rally the churches. And at that time, our church was white. It was like me and my family and Eddie and his family were the only, only non-white people here, I believe, right? Or pretty close to that. And as we start to really try to bring about peace in the body of Christ around, around racial lines, we start to see the Lord bring people of different skin colors to this house. And I pray that we'll always stand for that. As long as I have anything to say, we, we will stand for that. And I just pray that God continues to add to this body the multi-ethnic multi believers so that we're not a black church or a white church or a Hispanic church or an Asian church or whatever else, but that it's every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Unfortunately, most churches don't think like that. And I hate to say this, but it's true. They don't care. Because I've talked with pastors in our community that have said, I, I can't teach that message in my church. People will get mad and leave. And I've said, yeah, there'll be some that will get mad and leave at mine too. But I have to obey God. Right? As a pastor, I can't be so concerned with growing the church that I start to try to please people and not please what the Lord is telling me to do. And as a body, we, have to, we can't be so concerned about what's acceptable and not acceptable within the church in our community. We have to be concerned with what is acceptable in the eyes of God. What is he calling Breakthrough Covenant Church to? And he's calling us to be a multi-ethnic body of believers. Amen. Amen. And so we should celebrate that. Part of being a multi-ethnic body is that not just everybody is welcome, but everybody is valued and everybody is, has an opportunity to use their gifts to be a blessing to the environment and the family that the Lord is building here. That's who we are called to be. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to really dig into why this is so important and how God is using us to establish that in the Fox Valley. So don't miss a week. Don't miss. Don't, if you have vacation scheduled, you know, cancel it, push it back or something. You know, and, and uh, make sure that you're here. And um, it's going to be a good time. Invite someone to be a part of it, too. Get the messages on our social media. Share it on your social media. Because people need to hear this message. Amen. I want to define multi-ethnic just so that we're, once again, all on the same page. According to Webster's Dictionary, multi-ethnic means made up of people of various ethnicities, right? Okay, then what does ethnicity mean? Well, ethnicity is relating to a large group of people classed according to their common racial, national, tribal, religious, linguistic, or cultural origins or background, right? Now, the Bible calls ethnicities nations. So when you see the Bible talking about nations, don't think of boundary lines. And don't, don't think of countries. Think more in terms of people groups. Right? Think more in terms of, of, of people groups. Or another way of looking at that is think more in terms of tribes. Because that's what the Bible 
refers to when it's talking about nations. And when we, in fact, when we say ethnicities, that word comes from the Greek word ethnos, which is translated into English nation or nations. So that's, that's where we get the term ethnicity. In fact, when you fill out a government form and they're asking you, what is your race? And then they're asking you, what is your ethnicity? And it's like, what's, what's the difference? Isn't it all the same thing? Well, well we're going to dig into that. We're going to dig into that throughout this message. So the Bible calls ethnicities nations. We don't need to think about countries or national borders or boundaries. Think in terms of groups of people that are classified, once again, by their national, tribal, religious, linguistic, or cultural backgrounds or commonalities that they have. Now, the Webster's Dictionary says it adds to that racial, and I, I don't like that word. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I want to look at Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And it's speaking about the Lord, and it says, And he, God, has made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So from one blood... God has made the white man, the black man, the Asian man, the Hispanic man. He's made every race or every, every ethnicity, every nation of man, right? And not just made them, but he's grouped them. He's put them where he wants them to be regarding their location or their geog geographic origins, uh, origins, sorry, here on the earth. And he's determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. Let me help you understand what I believe that means about their pre-appointed times and about their, their dwellings. If you look at national, the history of the world, every ethnicity, just about every major ethnicity, because you have, you know, these ethnicities and there's others, that, subgroups that come out of that. But just about every ethnicity has had their opportunity to rule the earth. Now, I want you to stay with me as I, as I explain this. Like right now is the, the, the white man is predominantly ruling the earth. It's, it's, just, it's just their season. Every other ethnicity of man have had their opportunity to rule the earth. And guess what? We've all messed it up. We've all messed it up. And this is what I think God is doing by allowing every ethnicity of man to rule is so that we can get to the place where we realize we're just mankind. We're flawed. We're broken. We're imperfect. Everything we put our hands to eventually falls apart. We need a savior. And only he can bring righteousness and order and peace into the world. So if we're smart, we will look at how all these different ethnicities have blown it. And it pushes us to, we need a savior. And Jesus is the only hope. Amen. Because we're all the same people. We're all from the same blood. Right. Amen. Amen. As much as the world would try to divide us based off of the color of our skin, we're all related. 
Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, this is the great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations. It's God's desire that he has disciples from every ethnicity of man. I've had people, angry black people say to me as a black man, well, you're worshiping the white man's God. Get out of here with that foolishness, man. That's as nice as I can say it. I'm worshiping the God of all creation. And if your God is assigned to one skin color of people, he's probably not God. Right? Because it's God's desire that disciples are made from every nation. And it makes sense because he's created man in his own image and likeness. Right? I have three kids. They don't agree with what I'm about to say, but it's the truth. I don't love either one of them more than the other. They all have their opinions on that. The boys will tell you Hannah's my clear-cut favorite. Right? And she's not. Josh is shaking his head. She's not, bro. I love them all the same. But they all have different giftings, different anointings. Right? Like, like Josh more looks like me. You know, Hannah more looks like my wife. I think Josiah is kind of a combination of the two of us. Right? And, and it's, but they're, they're all from the same blood. But different. And so when we talk about God, his desire is that every ethnicity of man comes to know his son, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. Because only in Christ is victory. Only in Christ is there the ability to overcome. Only in Christ can man truly be free. It's not the black man or the white man or the whatever man that saves you. It's Jesus. He is the hope of the nations. Amen? So I don't like this term I said earlier, race, because I believe that there's really only one race when it comes to mankind, and that's the human race. Various ethnicities, various nations, but one race. And this is where I pull it from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man. He doesn't put a color on that. He doesn't put a qualifier on that. Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them, who is them? Man, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, Renee, you don't have to be afraid of spiders. You have dominion over that. It creeps. Just command it to go. <laughs> but that word man, it means human being as an individual or as a species. I don't like that word species, and I'll tell you why in a second. Now, I want us to contrast what we just read about man. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. 
I want you to think about that as we read what God said when he created everything else. In Genesis chapter 1, we're going to back up to verse 20 and go through 25. It says, Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abound according to their kind. That term is going to be used seven times in the next few verses. According to their kind. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, I'm sorry, fill the waters of the sea and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So God said, let's make man in our image and according to our likeness. But birds, animals, cattle, creeping things, which are insects, they have a kind. Let's make them according to their kind, right? Uh, many of you are dog and cat lovers, right? I was walking in my neighborhood the other day and I saw this dog that looked strange to me. And I said, I wonder what kind of dog that is. I don't look at man and say, I wonder what kind of man that is. Right? And what I meant by what kind of dog is what species is that? Right? I don't look and say, what species of man is Dan Wisniewski? Because that doesn't exist. Right? Animals, creeping things, birds, fish, and everything that's in the water, they're of a certain kind. Now, kind means a sort or a species. It's not so with man. We're all created in the image and likeness of God. Let me say it this way. We all are image bearers of the God of the universe. But the animals, they have different species. And some of those species are stronger than the other. Some of those species are on the top of the food chain and others are on the bottom. Right? It's like, I can't stand cats <laughs> that live in people's houses. I love those things running around in the jungle. Love them. Because they're aggressive and they eat stuff. Like, I, I don't cheer for the deer to get away. I want to see it getting eaten. Let me rewind that. I want to watch that again. That's cool. Right? But there's a house cat, and there's a lot of different species of that, and then there's a lion. Right? And then there's a cheetah, and then there's a, a tiger. Those are different species, different kinds of cats. We, we don't see that with man. We don't see God making these divisions among us. Any attempt to kind of differentiate man according to kinds, that's, a, that's an offense to the image of God. 
because he said, no, I'm going to make them in my image. There's not going to be different species of man. There's just going to be one. In fact, let me say it this way. This whole thing we see with the flood in Noah's day was about eliminating a kind that was not according to God's plan. Because remember, the angels were, were asleep with the daughters of men and they created this different kind of man called the Nephilim, which is the giants. And God's like, that is not, that is out of order. That's not part of my creation. It's got to go. Because God has never intended for us to have different kinds. We're created in his image, in his likeness. Amen? Amen. We're different. I want to read from uh, a quote from Dr. Alice Coughlin, who is a distinguished professor of history at the Ohio State University. Did y'all watch that game last night? Let me get back to the scripture. She's a distinguished professor of history at the Ohio State University. And this is what she said. The concept of race emerged in the mid-17th century as a means of justifying the enslavement of Africans in colonial America. And scientists eventually devised theories to uphold the system of forced labor. So from this distinguishing of races or creating races, because there's one race, the human race, right? Evolution was birthed, right? Evolution is closely tied to this whole concept of, of race. We even see it in some of our Christian doctrine where there's been taught this curse of Ham doctrine, which is, well, Noah, Noah cursed Ham uh, and Ham was the father of the dark-skinned people, so the dark-skinned people on the earth are cursed, and that's what was used to justify slavery. When it's like your doctrine's really messed up because God didn't curse Ham, he cursed Canaan, who was one of the grandsons of Noah, one of the sons of Ham. But we don't have time to get into all of that. But that's, that's one of the racist doctrines that have been perpetuated in the church for centuries. We see it in academics where now there's this whole move, and I don't know when it started, you know, Doc would probably know, but of saying that Egypt is not a part of Africa. It's like, I'm pretty sure it sits right on that continent. And the reason for trying to separate Egypt from Africa is because this spirit of superiority that tries to say, and once again, I'm not attacking any white people here. We're talking about a spirit. We're talking about a spirit, okay? This spirit that will try to tell you that the white man is the superior man on the planet and that everything came from the white man. Well, if that's the truth, then like what's going on in Egypt where a lot of mathematical and scientific stuff came about, Right? Well, Egypt's not a part of Africa. That's not what my eyes tell me. Right? So we see this perpetuated in academia. Academia. We see it in, in geography as well, because what is the Middle East? Right? Like the Middle East, like 
I, I was taught there were a certain amount. Of, I, I know all my continents. The Middle East is not a continent. And when I look at the Middle East, it looks like it's attached to Africa. Right? Well, there's that one little sliver. That was man-made. The Suez Canal was dug, right, to make passage and trade in that part of the world easier. It's not natural. I'm just telling you, this whole concept of race, if we as the body of Christ will buy into it, we will not be effective in ministering to the nations. And God has called us to make disciples of all nations because our doctrine will be skewed to fit whatever skin color makes up the majority of our church. We've got to get to this place where it's like, no, race is a man-made thing. Yes, God has created every skin tone of man, but just one man, not different species, not a superior and and an inferior, right? The black man is not superior to the white man. The Asian man is not superior to the white. Like, what are we doing here? We're allowing the world to separate what God is trying to unify. We're allowing the world's definition of man to overcome God's definition of man. And God's definition is they're all made in my image and my likeness. My likeness. In fact, let me say this. If anyone in here or watching online, you have some racism in you, you don't like a certain type of people then you can't love God because that type of person that you don't like was created in the image and likeness of God. Amen. 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 Dr. Coughlin goes on to say the idea of race as something biologically real came into existence first as a folk idea and then as a scientific one, this idea was arguably the greatest error made, uh, greater, greatest error modern Western science ever made. It's not real. It's not real. And I'm going to say something that will get me in trouble with people who look like me, but I don't care. I don't look at myself as a black man first. I recognize that I am a black man, but I'm a son of God first. I'm the husband to Stacy Butler second. I'm the father to Joshua Josiah and Hannah Butler third, right? There's so many other things about who I am that are more important than the color of my skin. Now, I'm not pointing to this whole, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. Stop it. You're lying. Repent. Right? You do see it. You see shades then, right? And some shades are darker than the other. There's nothing wrong with that because they all have value. They're all created in the image and likeness of God. They all have something that they bring to the table that can help advance the kingdom of God. And so I don't, I don't want to not see color. I want to see color. And I want to appreciate what that skin tone typically brings to the table. Right? 
And I want to value that. And I want my circle to be multi-ethnic. I don't want to be surrounded by just black people or just white people or just whatever. I want to have every ethnicity of man in my circle because that enhances my life experience. That enhances my ability to know and minister to various people who don't look like me because I'm in relationship with someone of a different culture. And that makes me more sensitive. That makes me more familiar. So it allows me to be a better minister of the gospel. I didn't say pre uh, preacher. It allows me to be a better minister of the gospel, of which all of us who have accepted Christ are supposed to be. It's not just the pastors and elders that are ministers of the gospel. If you've accepted Christ, you're a minister Amen. of the gospel. Amen. 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 I was reading in, uh, you know, there used to be these old ancient things called encyclopedias. <laughs> and they're like made of this stuff called paper with ink on them. And, uh, and so I went to their website. Now, I don't have the, those. They just take up too much room, but it's condensed on the website. So Britannica.com says race uh, as a categorizing term referring to human beings was first used in England in the English language in the 16th century until the 18th century had been generalized, meaning similar to other classifying terms, right? Like sort and kind and things along those lines. It even talks about how Shakespeare would talk about race of saints and race of bishops. But in the 18th century, race was widely used <clears throat> for sorting and ranking peoples in the English colonies. Europeans who, who saw themselves as free people, American Indians who had been conquered, and Africans who were being brought in as slave labor. Uh, this is used, or this, this usage is still around today. Uh, people conquered and enslaved were physically different from Western and Northern Europeans, but such differences were not the sole cause for the construction of racial categories. The English had a long history of separating themselves from others and treating foreigners such as Irish as aliens, yeah. right? In the 17th century, their policies and practices in Ireland had led to an image of the Irish as savages who were incapable of being civilized. Sounds very similar to what happened here in America during the times of slavery, right? And listen, I'm not saying those wicked English people. I'm saying this wicked spirit of people, of people superiority. That's the enemy, not the English. But, but, but we want to look at the history, how the Spirit has used people throughout the ages to bring this stuff about. Uh, so proposals to conquer the Irish took over their land and, and take, to conquer the Irish and take over their land and use them as forced labor failed largely because Irish resistance. It was that, the men, it was that many Englishmen turned uh, to the idea of colonizing the new world. So since they couldn't conquer you know, the Irish, then it's like, okay, let's colonize the new world and let's, let's bring this whole concept of race to the new world, which we all know is America. I haven't been everywhere in the world, but I've been a lot of places in the world. 
and they don't categorize things according to race. I remember the first time I went to Cuba, and it was like I saw this guy who looked like he was from Africa, and he came up to me and started speaking Spanish with a Cuban accent. Then I saw this lady who was as white as my wife, and she came up to us and started speaking Spanish to us with the Cuban accent. And I saw everything in between, and I started to realize, I said, Lord, we got a disease in America. Because in Cuba, they're just Cubans. They don't care about the color of their skin, right? So I'm asking Pastor Faustino, who's like the main pastor that we uh, partner with over there. I'm saying, it's amazing to me that in Cuba, skin color isn't like this big issue. And he said, that's the one good thing that came from communism coming in. He said, because before communism came in, we did see skin color. And he said, the people who looked like you, he pointed at me, were the bottom. And the people that looked like me, who he's, he's more uh, what we would think of when we think of a Hispanic man, we were at the top. Then the white people were in, in the middle. And he said, but then communism came in, and it forced us all to just be Cubans against communism. And I'm sitting there saying, Lord, please don't let that have to happen in America before we wake up and come to our senses and stop looking at people and demeaning them or elevating them based off of the color of their skin. My goal in sharing all of this with you and this message that we're going to be digging into over the next couple weeks is not to call any group of people evil, but it's to reveal how this spirit that is in the world is using skin color to divide people, cause hatred and tension so that we can't truly work together to win the nations to the Lord. That's my goal. That's what I want us to hear. I'm not mad at any people. I don't care what your skin color is. I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset. But I do want to expose this spirit that tries to keep us so divided that we can't even come together to worship the same God that we serve on Sunday morning. Think about how powerful that spirit is. That when people are picking a church, they want it to be a church that mostly looks like them. Well, guess what that hinders your ability to do? Hear God's voice and direction concerning where he wants to plant you. If I'm picking my church, if I'm picking the place I worship at, if I'm picking the people I worship with based off of the color of our skin, I could very well find myself outside of the will of God. Right? Right? Lord, this is a black church, and I like the way we do it. That's not where I'm planting you. Amen. I remember when I got saved, and I had I, I, been saved about two years, and I started in the financial services business, and, and one of the, 
one of the senior brokers, we were at like this mixer where we had all of our wives there. And his wife, this guy had been an advisor for like 25 years. And so he didn't need new business. But his wife said to me, you know, there's a, there's a black pastor who lives down the street from me. You should, uh, you should be his client because I don't, I don't think he'll work with my husband. Her husband was white, right? So I'm like, I'll take new business however I can get it. I got kids to feed, right? So she got me the number, and I, I met with this guy. I go, I, I meet with him in his office, and he's trying to talk me into coming to his church. Because where you go, I go to covenant with that white pastor. Yeah, Pastor Mike's, he's white. Ah, oh, brother. This is his, this is a pastor. Ah, oh, brother. Die. You got to get out from underneath this white man. Well, it's a big church. There's probably about 15 pastoral couples, and we have multiple African-American pastoral couples, and we have some interracial couples. We, You know, it's not just, well, but the head. I'm sitting there saying, I feel disgusted by this guy. I don't want him as a client. And I don't want to go to his church. I didn't know anything about this. But I have the spirit of God in me. And when I realized that was the spirit of the Lord saying, I'm not in this. I've planted you over here. Now I got to be honest with you. For a few weeks, I fought feeling like I was betraying my people. By going to a church with a white pastor. Because I was honest, when I first saw him, I was like, can I do this? But what I had to come to realize is, God has planted me here. I would be a fool to uproot myself, to go somewhere else just because the people look like me. I felt disgusted when the man was talking to me. So I'm gonna go sit there and be under that leadership, that racist leadership, and then the other thing, and I didn't say it to him, but I'm thinking my wife wouldn't be welcome here because she's white. Why would I take my wife and my kids to sit in that environment? See, why, why am I sharing? I'm, I'm, I'm not sharing this to demean, though. I'm sharing this to say this is how deceptive that spirit is. That it can get us to think that just because of the color of someone's skin, we somehow should not be worshiping with them or alongside of them, but we're all crying out to the same God. What are we doing? I want you to think about this. Galatians, I'm going to read this from Galatians chapter 3, and I want you to think about what Paul is saying. Galatians 3 26. It's 26. It says, For you are all, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So it doesn't matter what color your skin is. Your faith is in Christ, you're a son of God. For as many as are as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, which putting on Christ means to be arrayed or to be clothed with Christ. So when the Lord's dealing with us, he's seeing Jesus anyway. 
not the color of our skin. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So no, sir, I'm not worshiping the white man's God. I'm worshiping the God of heaven and earth and all that is in. I'm worshiping, worshiping the God who invites everybody to come to him. I'm worshiping the God who sent his own son to die in my place so that by placing my faith in his son, I can receive eternal life and the forgiveness of my sins. Revelation chapter 5 goes a step further. Starting in verse 8, it says, Now, when he had taken the scroll, it's talking about Jesus, or the Lamb, which is Jesus. The four creatures, uh, the four creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Listen to the song that they sang. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So the elders and the angels are saying, Jesus, it's your blood. You were slain to redeem all men to our God through your blood. But it goes a step further in verse 10. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. So all of us through Christ Jesus are kings and priests and are set up to reign on the earth. Because of Jesus who died for all men. He doesn't care what color your skin is but we're letting the world divide us. We're letting the world influence who we worship with. What are we doing, church? And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but sometimes you got to preach to the choir. Right? This whole concept of race, as as I close, this whole concept of race is not biblical. And if I could say it strongly, it's actually demonic. It's demonic. With God, it's never been about skin color. It's always been his plan to redeem all of mankind. Because all of mankind is created in his image and likeness. Because Jesus Christ died so that all of mankind can come to faith in him and become sons of God. Because God's plan is that we all will be redeemed to him through the blood of his son and reign on the earth forever as kings and priests to our God. Amen. Amen. We serve a God who loves us. We serve a God who doesn't care about what color we are. 
In fact, in heaven, it will be every nation, tribe, tongue, and people worshiping together. I'm not running to the black side of the kingdom. <laughs> you shouldn't run to the white side or the Hispanic or the Asian side of the kingdom. Because can I tell you the truth? There won't be any of that. We'll all just be worshiping Christ. Bearing his image for eternity. This whole thing of black man, white man, whatever man, it's it's demonic, it's satanic. And so in our worship, and what I mean by worship, I don't mean like the music that plays before we hear the word. By worship, I mean the way that we live before God. Let's not let the world dictate who I worship with, who I attend church with, who I'm friends with. And listen, it might might cost some of you. Me being married to my wife has cost me family members. Right? I don't care. I'm I'm not sad about it. That might sound harsh, but it's not. If you're going to be that stupid, I don't want you in my life anyway. Seriously. I want you in my life anyway. I get the Uncle Tom, blah, blah, blah. What do I care what you think? You ain't even saved. Let me just pray for you from a distance. What I mean by you ain't even saved, I ain't saying I don't want them saved. It's that I'm not putting stock in what a heathen has to say about my lifestyle. God told me this woman was my wife. If he'd have told me a black woman was my wife, I'd be married to her. If he'd have told me an Asian woman, whatever, I'd be married to whoever he tells me. The point that I'm making is making a decision to live a multi-ethnic lifestyle, meaning your friend group ain't just of the people that look like you. You don't just worship with the people who look like you. It may cost you other relationships. And that's a decision that you have to make. As for me and my house, it's like I'm going to follow God's leading. And if that upsets some other people that don't agree with it, so be it. I will pray for you. You need deliverance. Amen? So next week, what we're going to do is we're going to start to get into why this whole concept of the multi-ethnic church is so important and so relevant for us today, because it is. Um, We're so divided as a nation. I was talking to a client this week about how, you know, when Jesus, he's he's a believer, and it's like when Jesus says a house divided amongst itself, a kingdom divided amongst itself cannot stand, that doesn't just apply to people faith in Christ. It's a principle that is in the earth. And we as America are divided everywhere you look. So we as the church, we need to do our part to bring reconciliation within our sphere of influence. And I believe what God has wanted to do is kind of do away with this black church, white church thing and just get his people worshiping together. 
Amen.